This is the Time Out with Shore Sports Podcast, covering sports on the shore with Mark Potter and Mike Bradley, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Now, here are your hosts, Mark and Mike. Time Out with Shore Sports, presented by the Preston Automotive Group, episode number 25. I feel like we've had like six or seven weeks since uh, the last time we did a podcast. Mark Potter, Mike Bradley alongside. Well, I, think it, I think it has been that long. Yeah. I mean, you had this just had a baby. <laughs> yeah, it, Well, it was right before. Our last one was right before. Was it? I th- yeah. Did we do one no, right I, after? Yeah, I did one you okay. without you after you had had the child. Yes. So. It, and I may have done one virtually, though. Yeah. 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 From home. Yeah. So. But, yeah, it seems like eons ago. So today we're at El Jefe, mm-hmm. uh, our favorite Mexican kitchen and tequila restaurant. And uh, I don't know, maybe we'll uh, be you know, downing a little bit of tequila later on, and uh, we'll have that. But uh, we got a great show today. Uh, while we were away, uh, Coach Damian Ferragamo announced uh, his retirement. It was the worst-kept secret in high school football here on the Bayside <laughs> because we had talked about it uh, for the last uh, you know, last three weeks of the season, and we even talked about it, Griffith and I did on the very last game, um, that, that this was it. And But we didn't ask Coach Ferragamo about it, but we waited until he actually made the announcement. We'll talk to him about it today uh, about that. But a lot of changes have been going on. We still know nothing from North Carolina. Uh, you know, what James McCormick is going to do. Right. You know, is he stay? You know, do I stay or do I go? Um, so that announcement hasn't been made since we last talked. Dustin Mills at uh, J.M. Bennett. Step down, right. and and we've talked uh, in in length about uh, off the broadcast about uh, who would replace him. Maybe Todd Apple from uh, who was an assistant there at Snow Hill, and uh, we'll see if he makes the jump over to Wicomico County. Be, be a great hire. Uh, he's in a situation right now where it's kind of tough for him being a position coach, not an opportunity to really step up at Snow Hill right now. So to be able to take the head coaching job there. Uh, that's a no-brainer to me uh, with all his success. Um, you know, we'll just see. I don't know all the inner wranglings. Obviously, that means he would have to move out of Worcester County in terms of school-wise, go to Wicomico County, longer trip for him. And obviously, he needs to get a sense of the administration and the backing and all that. So I guess that's what's going on as we speak now. Uh, and we'll have to see if any other names emerge as well. And again, that hearsay. And, uh, yes, uh, you is. know, and we'll talk about the Ken Island position coming up. This segment of Time Out with Shore Sports is sponsored by the Edge Training Academy, where passion meets performance, located in Stevensville at 112 Log Canoe Circle in the Chesapeake Bay Business Park, now offering a 24-hour gym access. More information at theedgetrainingacademy.com. Had the opportunity to stop by and have a little chat with Bobby Woolley uh, the, <laughs> earlier this week, and uh, he's doing well. And, of course, him and his wife, Crystal, just had a brand-new bouncing baby That's right. boy. I think that was right after ours, yeah, our girl. Maverick. Yeah. Yep. And uh, so, oh, uh, you, you know, another D1 athlete, much like Beckett, <laughs> you know, coming to the uh, uh, to the shore with yeah. all these D1 parents. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. nothing like pressure, you know. That's right. That's, that, right. that's what my daughter said. She said, well, you know, you already know that Bobby's kid's going to be a D1 lacrosse player. And you know, I'm like, well, they probably will push him that way but Bobby says I'll let Maverick make the decision yeah ultimately you have to they have to be comfortable with what they're doing but Beckett long legs long arms big hands 
Basketball, yeah. lacrosse, yeah. soccer, any one of those is a potential. Maybe swimming could yeah. be. There, yeah. you, there you go. Whatever gets her a scholarship to college that helps me out financially, yeah. Yeah. I, I will certainly take it. You, you don't want to face that because for Christmas I got a bill <laughs> from the University of Alabama and Virginia yeah. Tech. So I'm telling you, but Mark, with the amount of time you're at Alabama, the Virginia Tech campuses, you're going to earn a degree right next to your son and daughter. I mean, this, this man is college confidential right here. He's all over the place at those campuses. So I got my new truck <laughs> on September 24th. Uh-huh. All right, here we are. We're recording this today. Um, on the 24th of January. When mm-hmm. you're listening, this will be a day old uh, yeah. if you catch it on day one. Um, I officially have 17,200 <laughs> miles on my truck in four months. So it's uh, That's worse it, than me. Yeah. <laughs> so wow. put the miles on it, there's yeah. no doubt. Yep. Well, without further ado, why don't we go ahead and bring in Coach Damon Ferragamo uh, from Ken Island High School. This portion of the podcast sponsored by Midshore Exteriors, handling your roofing, siding, and gutter needs across the shore every detail matters so let the master elite gaf certified and shingle master roofers take care of your home or business today more info at midshoreexteriors.com plus they're also giving a free roof away um you gotta if you know somebody that needs a roof they do so much for the community or whatever go to midshoreexteriors.com and you'll find an area there where you can enter a story about why somebody deserves a free roof and uh, that's got to be entered by the 28th of february so get those in but uh you know hey giving back to the community mature exterior is doing that that's huge yeah Mm -hmm. so coach thanks for joining us today we appreciate it i love to be here with you guys thank you Uh, so (laughs) it was the worst kept secret you know and a lot of coaches talk and and what have you and uh you know a lot of coaches were friends with your assistant coaches and what have you and I think the rumor on the street and we had talked about it for the last month and a half of the season was that this is probably it for you and seven seasons at Ken Island but I guess the first question I got asked because I know for a fact that the principal at Ken Island and Dan Harding the athletic director at Ken Island tried to do everything they could do to try and squeeze another year or two out of you so why now? Um, well, it's the worst kept secret because I, I want Ken Island to be in a good place. So I was talking to people who, you know, on the staff who may possibly, um, you know, want to want to take it over. So you know, you know how things are. You tell one person, you've told everybody. Right. Um, why now? Um, it's a good question. It's it's when I first started coaching, and you go to football clinics. You know, all the all the old timer coaches would would tell you. Um, you know, when it's time, you'll know, and you're like, "Oh, these old guys are crazy." I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna die on the sideline with a whistle around my neck, and and they're right. Like when you, when you, when you know, it's no, when you know, you know. Um, I think my my whole football career started in 1988 at Brooklyn Park High School as a freshman, and it's from then until the end of this season, there hasn't been a season gone by that I wasn't either playing or coaching. Um, so it's just a real long time, and it's just, you know. Um, you grow as a person, other interests start to start to enter your life. And, um, you know, it's, it's a big time commitment. So I just I, I just thought it was the right time to do it. Well, and coach, you left on a high note. I mean, the first undefeated season since 2012, uh, you guys get into the playoffs. You lost to a team and I'm trying to uh, rack my memory. I believe that team ended up winning 
the championship, Douglas. did they not? Douglas. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, not. I don't know if that makes you feel any better, but at least you know you lost to the champion and, and you guys were in a tight game on a cold Friday night there. Uh, but you had such a great year. You go out with a four-year starting quarterback as well. It kind of seemed like, though, if you were going to go out, you know, and with a, a team that had a lot of graduating seniors, it, this would be the time to do it, though, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, but, you know, the, the, this decision was kind of made in my mind before all that materialized yeah. this season. Uh, no, but I'm just saying, though, it was storybooked the way it ended absolutely. for you, though, because you ended with a great season. Absolutely. And, and all those guys, I think there was uh, – I don't have the exact numbers, like 14 or 15 kids that I had coached on that team at some point in the uh, Chesapeake Bay Piranhas, our youth organization, mm -hmm. when my own son was playing with them. Um, I coached a handful of them in youth lacrosse, you know, just 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 through them being being son uh, friends with my son. And um, it was great just seeing those guys mature from, from a young age to being young men right now. And us actually being successful on the field, which I thought was very much in question to start the season, um, that just was icing on the cake. We're talking with Coach Damian Ferragamo. He is the uh, now retired head coach of Kent Island High School. And uh, this portion of the timeout with Shore Sports is presented by College Placement Consulting, providing invaluable college planning and high school guidance from sophomore through senior year. Let the dedicated professionals at College Placement Consulting help your child prepare for college. Go online to schedule a no-obligation appointment now at collegeplacementconsulting.com. Mark Potter, Mike Bradley, and the coach. So we know why now, but before we go any further into Ken Island High School, I, I want to go back. You had mentioned Brooklyn Park and, and where you started. Yeah, I, so, I don't know much about yeah. your, uh, your so history. Where did yeah. you come from? You yeah. went to Brooklyn Park High School? I went to Brooklyn Park High School the last year of its existence. I was going to say it doesn't exist anymore, right? Um, yeah. So I was, I was the last freshman class to, um, to, to be at Brooklyn Park High School and then us in Andover High School. Probably two schools. Nobody out there knows what I'm talking about right now. Yeah. But they, they combined to become North County North High County, School. Yeah. Okay. So that's where I spent my, um, the rest of my high school career. So from there, what position did you play? I've always been an offensive lineman. I'm never even, I was never even one of those guys who thought I could do something else. Um, there's some physical limitations to me. So, uh, yeah, I've, I've always been an offensive lineman. And then where did you go to college at? Uh, my first year I went to a school in Murfreesboro, North Carolina called Chowan College, mm -hmm. another school probably not a whole lot of people have heard about. Um, was that a JUCO? It was It was a JUCO the year before I got there, and okay. it just had, had transferred uh, transformed over to a Division three school. Um, wasn't wasn't a real good fit for me. Um, I went there because I wanted to play football after high school, and um, you know it was a place I got accepted to. They had a football team there, like, come on aboard, and I went there, and it wasn't it wasn't a great fit for me. And then I transferred to Salisbury Salisbury State University, where I, I finished out my my playing career. Where all the coaches from the base side always end well, up. I was going to say, and <laughs> and your O line coach, if I'm not mistaken, is now at Wicomico, one of his uh, several stints, right? And you had a picture with him and your son after the game against uh, the Indians earlier this year, right? Yeah, or last season. I coach say. Kevin Collington was, yeah, uh, Collington, was my yeah. offensive line coach at Salisbury. It's yeah. great to see him again. It's it's funny not only not only in the base side, but you you look around the state of Maryland and how many seagulls are um, not only head coaches assistant coaches there, there's a whole bunch of them yeah because yeah. isaiah taylor is uh, the wicomico's head coach of course he's yeah. an su grad former mccormick 
Yeah. You know, Dan Quinn, yep. you know, who'll probably be a head coach in the NFL again after yeah. being in Atlanta, and then the Cowgirls uh, defensive coordinator this year. So all right, so you go to college. Were you any good coach? Um, Did you get to play? I like to say that I was a slightly above average high school player and a slightly below average college player. <laughs> so, um, yeah, my, my senior, I did start my senior year at Salisbury. Okay. But, um, yeah, like I, I was not a star by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, yeah, I, I love Salisbury. Um, you know, I was probably one of those guys, you know, if, if a couple things went a different way, I'd still be in Salisbury. Um, you know, love the town, lo- love the college. But, um, you know, got on the field, but – um, happy to contribute in any way I could. It, it, it was a struggle uh, to, to get on the field there. Did so, you get a teaching degree there? Yes, I did. Okay. I was just going to ask oh, that. Sorry, yeah. Mike. Okay. No, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, so you become a teacher, and your first job out of college is where? Oh, well, I, I followed my wife up to Long Island. Oh. So, so I, that's where that comes in. Okay. Yeah, I, I, and I, you I, met her in college? Yes. I okay. met her at Salisbury. Again. Again, yeah. another connection yeah. here yep. on the base side. Yeah. So, uh, so I, I, I ran up to Long Island, um, chased her up there, and um, I was teaching in the Middle Country School District at uh, Newfield High School. It was my first um, – well, actually, Copeg High School was my first coaching job, um, being a head, head JV coach, and then went to another school, Newfield, up there, and, and you know, had, a, had a handful of years coaching on Long Island. How did you do up there? What was that experience like in transitioning from playing to coaching? Um, you know, it, it was, you know, you think you know everything, <laughs> and then you start coaching and realize you don't. Um, I, I enjoyed my time there. The, the schools that I, I coached at were not very successful, um, they're, and they're, they were traditionally a, you know, a bottom-of-the-conference uh, type of school. Um, you know, but, but definitely gained some valuable experience. Got to uh, coach on the varsity level there for a couple of years before we moved back to Maryland. For those that are listening that are maybe college students or high school students that want to become a teacher and, and want to become a coach, what if you could go back in, in time and go back to that first job out of, out of college where you become a coach, what did you find to be the most challenging? Gosh, I guess the, the most challenging is you don't know what you don't know. Um, you know, and that from, from the time I became an assistant high school coach to a varsity coach, you know, I went to a varsity head coach. You think you know everything, and then you go out there, and every single day you're reminded of more stuff that you don't know. So, just the importance of surrounding yourself, um, surrounding yourself with quality people, with co- quality coaches, uh, is is extremely important. My first year, uh, my first head coaching job was at Parkdale High School in PG County, and you know, I was young and I thought I knew everything and. One win and nine losses later, after the first season, you know, I realized I, I need to get people around me who are, who are smarter than me. Did who, you want to keep co- coaching after one and nine? Because I can tell you, when I went two and seventeen, my first year of baseball, I was like, "What the hell am I doing?" So not only were we <laughs> one and nine, I was zero and nine going into the last game of the season against another zero and nine team, and we scored on a two point conversion under a minute left, <laughs> and I'm so still one of the biggest wins, <laughs> biggest wins ever. You know, it changes the whole outlook of, of things yeah. moving forward um, but yes yes I, I definitely still wanted to coach um, and, and it's very humbling experience uh, and you really realize how much you have to learn you know he's so right though Mike because when I go back and I think back my first year coaching baseball at North Carolina it was the uh, 08 season all right and it, it man it stuck it was so we were losing games and we could not do anything and uh, it snowed uh, as the playoffs uh, came around, yeah. okay, um, or rained. I can't remember. Well, it was it was May, so it had to have been rain. But uh, it was 
we were the five seed because everybody got in, and uh, we happened to get the draw for the five seed. Ken Island was the fourth seed, and uh, with us, Ken Island was very good. We weren't, and uh, we we went to the eighth inning against Ken Island, zero zero, and I'll never forget. Marshall Thompson was on the mound. I left him in for the eighth inning because he still had some pitches left. And somebody hit a ball down the right field. It buzzed right by the right fielder's head that was asleep in the outfield. <laughs> doing something, I don't know. And uh, they beat us one nothing. And it was that finish. They were like, you know what? We were so close. We were so close. And Ken Island went on to win the state championship that year. So, you know, it's, it's, it's just it's amazing how you go one and nine your first year. What was the second year like? Because you stayed at Parkdale for two years, right? Yeah. So our, our second year, we had we had a pretty successful season. We went seven and three, hmm? um, and and didn't make the playoffs. Um, you know, we, we were the we were the I, I believe then four teams in the region went. We were we were just just outside of the playoffs, and um, you know, got a couple of more coaches on staff, some quality guys. Um, I've always been very fortunate to have great defensive coordinators, and the guy Drew Gilliam was uh, my defensive coordinator. And uh, you know we turned it around. You, we had more of a an atmosphere, uh, more of a team atmosphere, um, more of a brotherhood there. Um, so we were able to turn it around to seven and three that next season. Well, and I guess an, another lesson as well as you talked about for and Mark, it's a good question about you know young adults who are leaving college who have the education degree that want to become coaches. I guess to your point, hey, as your first job you got to be prepared that you're going to have different things come up every day. And as you said, you, you won't know everything coming out, even if you think you do, even with assistant experience, that you just have to be prepared that you're going to have a new challenge possibly every day. Oh, yeah, and, and you have to make the big time where you are. You know, you can't just looking for the next job if you're you're a jv assistant you can't be looking great to point. take that step you, yeah. you've got yeah. you've got to make whatever position you're in the big time position for you yeah. and and really dive into learning and be able to look at yourself and, and understand that you you really you really don't know as much as you think you do james would never let me have that yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was just gonna say that you, you talk about from year one to year two bringing in some other assistants and guys that can help you learn and grow and probably have some more experience to help you along in fostering the growth. But for you personally, what was the difference between year and year one and year two? Well, we, we, we had that off season um, to kind of work academically with some of the students. We, we had a, uh, a large amount of students who were academically ineligible, got those kids back to eligible, got them. Um, That's key too, Mark. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Get kids eligible. Yeah. It, it's more that it's, it's you have to create a program that kids want to be a part of, and that yeah. motivates you to, to do better academically. Yeah. Because um, all, all students can, can achieve academically. A lot of times it comes down to, to your motivation. So I don't believe it's sitting there in a study hall and moving the pencil form. You got to say, this is what we have. This is available to you if you get the work done. And if it's important to them, they'll get the work done. And you bring up a good point, too. I think there's a lot of kids out there, and you've seen them over the years, and maybe even more so today. The athletics part of high school, the high school experience, is what motivates those kids to get that C average so that they can play sports. And they may not have a desire to go past. I mean, and really, if you think about it, I mean, when you look at the base side, you can look at a lot of people that probably had the talent to go to the next level but just didn't put their work into the grades to be able to get to the next level. Well, I was a pretty good example. I broke a long line of firefighters in my family. Um, you know, I went to I went to high school and I was extremely average. Um, you know, I got exactly what I needed to get, 
in order to do the things I wanted to do, keep my parents off my back, and to, <laughs> in order to, I was played football and lacrosse in high school. And then um, I think I, I think my mom might have fell out of her chair when I came to her my senior year and said I wanted to go to college. And I didn't want to go to college because I had some great aspirations of learning. I wanted to go play college football right. because I, I just loved the experience so much. So because of that, it, it led to you know getting a college degree and and ultimately where I am now. We're talking with Coach Damon Ferragamo. He has uh, recently resigned as the head coach of Ken Island High School. You had coached two years at Parkdale. Then you went to Old Mill. How did you get there? And tell me about that process because at Old Mill was where you also won a Maryland State Championship. Yeah, so it was it was a weird situation. I, I had decided to step down at Parkdale before I got the Old Mill job. Um, at the time, I was living in Severna Park and um, – you know, move from Long Island to Severna Park. Like I said, I'm from Brooklyn Park. I didn't really fit in in Severna Park. <laughs> so, <laughs> so me and my wife were looking to move um, a little more rural. We were looking Upper Baltimore County. We were looking, you know, the Hereford Zone. Yeah, yeah. We're, yeah. We, we were looking. You know, we were looking other places, and so we weren't sure exactly where we were going to be. And then um, in the paper, I saw that Mike Marcus, the head coach at Old Miller, resigned. So. I put a resume together, put some stuff together, sent it in, and um, got a resume. I mean, sorry, got an interview. And actually, uh, uh, another guy who in, who applied for that job was DeLon Parrish, who's at Wise High School okay. now. So we had known each other through our through our PG connections. He was at Duval High School down the street mm-hmm. from Parkdale mm-hmm. High School. So we had we had talked about. Hey, if one of us gets a job, we'll hire the other guy. Um, but I ended up getting, and then he ended up going to Wise. Wow. So how many years were you there before you won a state championship? Uh, it was in my f- uh, fourth year. So the, the freshmen that came in with me were the, were the team that won the state championship. Wow. But, and at the time, because I, I don't know the history with Old Mill, I know generally they've been a pretty good program over the years. But fill us in about when you took it over, where was Old Mill at that time? Was it a rebuilding process? Was it taking it to the next level, uh, just keeping it status quo? What was it like? Oh, they were not rebuilding. Uh, the year before, they had won the 4A East region okay. and then went up and lost to Damascus in the state semifinals. Okay. That was called the Final Four. So, um, But it was a very senior-laden team. Um, they lost lost one of the you know one of the all time great running backs that was at that old mill. Um, so I was I was coming in while it's it's a well established program. It was one that that had lost a lot of the um, contributors from the year before. Was there any concern about the challenge that lied ahead and and really trying to move in to? keep the ball rolling so to speak absolutely <laughs> you know you you go and take over a struggling program and you make these little improvements everybody they couldn't be happier you take over an established program you don't make the playoffs they're going to put for sale signs on your front lawn well to that end let me ask you though were you surprised that you got the job yes and, uh, and why did you get it did, did you ever find out what they said this is what we really liked about you um the, the reason i got it, I, number one like i wanted to be a head coach um, you know, coming out of college, that's, you know, that's what I wanted to do. And I went on a lot of interviews and I, I, would, I would practice. After the interview, I'd go write down the questions I didn't think I did very well on, yeah. come up better. And so I, I think I interviewed, I interviewed very well. And um, I was able to teach health when I went in there, which was another, another place that they could, they could get me into the building. But um, there, there were three guys there that they were very seriously considering. DeLon Parrish was one of them. Mm-hmm. Russ Myers, who was a longtime coach at Southern okay. um, High School, was another one of them. And uh, you know, I don't know, just, just fortunate, I guess. Now, you're still teaching at Old Mill, right? Yes, I've been teaching at Old Mill the whole time. 
It's wow. a very weird situation. Yeah. yeah. Now, you decided yeah. to step away from Old Mill. Why? Uh, my oldest son, Jacob, was uh, – we, well, we had moved over from Severna Park to Kent Highland. And uh, my oldest son, Jacob, was going to go to high school, and he said he wanted to play high school football. So I was like, I'm not going to go hang out with other people's children and miss my own son's game. So, so I resigned with the idea that I'm not coaching football anymore. And then um, actually on Thanksgiving morning, and I knew, I knew Coach Sofanowski from 707s we did mm-hmm. in the whole coaching world. On Thanksgiving morning, we, were met, we met in the Safeway. We were both picking up something. So he talked about needing an assistant coach, and it just so happened that, you know, I, I – <laughs> I got with him, and I, was, yeah. I lived the good life of an assistant coach for four years, which is the greatest job in, in high school football as the assistant coach. And then um, when he resigned, I was like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And then I eventually did it. So, and so you were there at Old Mill for five years. Yes. And then you were an assistant under Sofanowski here at Kent Island for four. Four, yep. And then took over for the last seven as the head coach of Kent Island. And you compiled a pretty impressive record. While it didn't include a state championship, fifty and seventeen, uh, and no losing seasons, is a pretty impressive record for a high school football team. Yeah, Ken Island is just such a great place to coach. Um, number one, we we have just tremendous support from our administration. Number one, but from our family, from our our our, our, our football families, the parents, the the fans. Um, it's just it's a very good situation you're not fighting a lot of the battles that that people may be fighting in other in other schools around the state talking with coach damon Ferragamo. when we come back we'll continue this conversation with him here on timeout with shore sports presented by the preston automotive group Welcome back. Time out. Shore Sports presented by the Preston Automotive Group, episode number 25. And it's another good one. The most popular uh, podcast that we've had so far to date was episode 24 with the three amigos from North Carolina <laughs> with uh, McCormick and Joseph and, and Ward. And uh, we're hoping for the same kind of run because that's why we waited for this long so that we could talk with Coach Ferragamo as well. Mm-hmm. This portion brought to you by Perretmoy Therapy Associates located at 460 Main Street in Stevensville. Let Rick Perret and the staff get you back to feeling new again, accepting most insurance policies. So step away from the pain by calling Perretmoy Therapy Associates it's at 410-604-2982. Speaking of Rick Perret, you I mean, you guys are on each other's speed dial uh, on the phone because Rick took care of the athletes for you at Ken Island if you had one that needed to try and get back for a week. Oh, and sometimes the coaches as well. <laughs> I've been I've been in to see Rick a few times myself. Uh, yeah, just just super receptive to our to our student athletes. My you know my own children as athletes have been there and he's quick to get kids in and what's great about him is you, 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 he's not going to tell you what you want to hear if you can get on the field he's going to tell you that but if you can't he's going to tell you that too um, you know so he, he always has the best interest of of the athlete in mind but he's also he, he understands you want you want to get on the field he's going to show you how you can do it this is what this is what has to happen for you to get on the field and if you do it you can if you can't then then you got to sit out now, a couple of questions in talking about your transition from Old Mill to Kent Island and then from an assistant coach at Kent Island to head coach. So you talked about, okay, you stepped down, you're over on the shore. 
Thanksgiving morning, you get you know, you get talking and you get offered a job. But you had said though you weren't planning on continuing to coach though. But obviously, you still had the fire there to to do it. But but what changed your mind though? With Coach Sofanowski talking with you. Brian offering doing a lot of money. <laughs> oh, yeah. Very, very lucrative job here coaching high school football. Um, well, I, I did. I, I didn't want to be done coaching football, but um, I've always put a, a very you know high priority on, on, on my children, wanting wanted to see what they did. My father was great. He, um, you know, he came to see everything I ever did. He used to travel to Murfreesboro, North Carolina, Chawan to watch me not play. You know, it, it's a big commitment and that always stuck with me. So I wanted to make sure that I was there for, for my sons as well. And being able to coach in the program kind of gave me the best of two worlds. I was able to see my son every day, which was good because I didn't coach him because I was a quarterback's coach and he was an offensive lineman. So it was kind of the best of both worlds. So I was in the program, but I didn't have like daily interaction with him where you have that whole father father son coach dynamic but then now you said though when Soph hung it up that you weren't going to be taking the head job but then you did so what got you to take the head coaching job there because I, w- I wasn't ready to stop and um you know with, with coach Sofanowski leaving and what a great job he did you know it, it, that that staff in in pieces some guys leave for a little while they come back um it's a pretty close group and I wanted to. I wanted it to stay in that family. Um, have a great relationship with all my assistant coaches. Our wives get get along. We you know, we 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 go hang out together. Um, and I wasn't done. I I wanted to continue coaching at that point. All right. So we mentioned Coach Sofanowski. You were a part of his staff for four years. Then you take over. Sof is a fiery coach, and he is completely different than most coaches and the way they function and operate because I I think he instills his military uh, upbringing and and his his time in the military brings that into demanding more from the kids. You saw that. How were you a different coach than Soph? Well, and don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not saying what Soph did was a negative. That's the kind of coach he was, and he demanded respect and demanded accountability. Oh, absolutely. So, every coach is going to have their own style, and if you try to be, if you try to emulate someone else's style, you're you're, you're doing yourself and your and your program a disservice. Everybody has to be who they are, and I, I think you're, you know, 100 percent accurate. That's. That's like I, I was talking. Like a lot of times, uh, Coach Soph willed things to work. Right. <laughs> you know, it was. Uh, you know, we're running no huddle offenses with with fairly small rosters compared to you know some of the bigger schools. And you're like, well, you, you really can't do this. These these amount of kids going both ways. We did it. Right. Because you just you just will it to work, and you just keep pounding, 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 and getting it done. So the, I think the the most important thing I learned. Um, it's like from, General Patton. Yeah. I mean, it, it, and it works. Yeah. It, it definitely works. Yeah. Um, probably the most important thing I learned from him though is the the tunnel vision I had I had some tunnel vision at when I was at Old Mill High School about having a successful program winning the state championship all this stuff and the atmosphere of family for him not with not as far as the family of Ken Island but paying attention to your own family so I was coming in my son was a JV football player and you know JV's played on Thursdays like when your son has a game you go to the game. You're not at practice. I don't know if I would have been as receptive of that situation when I was at <laughs> Old Mill. You know, I don't even know if my assistant coach would ask me, uh, just because I, I I was too focused on the program and moving the program forward and mm-hmm. and getting this practice in. And you know, he he definitely taught me. So you talk about his 
his kind of you know military, um, very structured. Everything he does is right, but. If, if your son has a play, if your daughter has a play, if they have something, you're going to that over practice. Right. And, um, you know, it's something I'm indebted to him for because, mm. you know, I just – I I was wrong for, for a lot of years not having that focus, not only myself but as my for my assistant coaches as well. Uh, and I'm, cu- I'm curious, when you go from an assistant coach to head coach, though, from the year before to the year you take over – was your relationship, though, with the players a little bit different? Because I know it's – and that's that can be tough because you can be a little bit more maybe buddy-buddy as a coordinator, as an assistant. But when you become head coach, that can't necessarily – that dynamic can't necessarily still exist. Yeah, it's definitely two different situations. And, um, you know, thinking back, I'm not, I'm not sure how exactly I dealt with it, but I do remember it, it being different. Um, because I had never gone from an assistant in one program to a head coach in that program, it was always I'm, I moved I moved schools. Um, so I, th- there is something to it, but I, I don't think it's as big of a deal um, as long as you you know, you make sure that you stay true to yourself. It's like this is what I believe in, this is what we're going to do. And I think I got better at relationships as a head coach at Ken Island than I was at Old Mill. Um, That's so what still, I was going to ask you. Like over the seven years. Where did you think you became a better coach? In, in what areas? Oh, well, gosh, it, it's, it's weird because the, like the dynamic from moving to Old Mill to Ken Island, number one, it's, all, it's, it's almost a, a different sport moving from a, a large 4A to a 2A. Um, just the resources you have with bodies at the 4A level. If we kept 55 kids. We would cut 30 to 40 kids on varsity every wow. year. Um, <laughs> You know, that's unheard of yeah, <laughs> around here. <laughs> and and you had you cut some really good kids and really yeah. good football players. I mean, because you can't you can't keep a hundred. You yeah. know, this isn't Alabama. You just right. can't keep all these guys. Uh, there's only so so many so many jerseys. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I think I think I grew with with being able to adapt a little bit, being able to adapt a little bit better. Um, I think from looking at this year, just being able to adapt offensive scheme. We did stuff this year where it was basically it was basically the same plays we've been I've been running for however however many years, but a little more window dressing, a little more um, I guess creativity with with some misdirection. So just just having that that mindset of being of just continuing to learn and not not being stuck in your ways. And uh, so I think I did a little bit better job with that. We're talking with Coach Damon Farragamo, this portion sponsored by For All Seasons Behavioral Health and Rape Crisis Center, providing outpatient mental health, psychiatric education, and rape crisis services to the English and Spanish-speaking communities, regardless of one's ability to pay. More info at forallseasonsinc.org. And, you know, we're sitting here talking about the, you taking over at, at Kent Island and the transition from Soph to, to you. Soph was always, when he stepped away, he was away for the first couple of years and, and then started maybe showing up at other games and, and scouting a little bit. What brought him back into your program well, I mean, that's something you'd have to ask him. For, for uh, I can give you my my thoughts on it. Um, I think I, mean, he, I think he missed it. He missed being around 
the players. Um, he's he's real good at the preparation for football, not just football, but the the spring and the summer and and all and all of those things. He's great at training athletes. And um, you know, you're doing it for so long. I think he just kind of he, he missed it. And when you when you come back in an assistant role, it's so much different. <laughs> There's so much less pressure. There's so much less time commitment. Um, and I think it was attractive to him. So he came back and then he left again and then he came back <laughs> again. So um, he might be a lifer. <laughs> yeah. And- I, I think you're right. We'll get into Soph here. And, uh, Sounds like the it, Brett Favre it, of, uh, it, right. it, <laughs> of coaching. It, it, yeah. Just a little bit. You mentioned your, your, everywhere you go, you got to surround yourself with good coaches. And I think these last seven years at, at Ken Island, uh, you've had a hell of a staff. Uh, you know, arguably one of the best defensive coordinators in the Bayside. Uh, talk about those assistants and, and how they – meshed with you and the way you do things and how they maybe made you a better coach well yeah starting out with tim goodrich uh, like i said i've been extremely fortunate i've had good defensive coordinators every everywhere i've gone um every coach has you know one side of the ball that they kind of gravitate to i gravitate to the offensive side i could never be a defensive coordinator i can coach a d line up or linebackers up for for an individual session but i don't think i could put it all together without a whole lot of work to, to learn that craft so the success of our program either even under coach Soph, a lot of it is it starts with tim goodrich and the, the amount of work he puts in and and his just defensive mindset and commitment to the program. Uh, we've had a, a bunch of guys there that have been there throughout. Uh, Michael Wright, who's a teacher at, at the a, a PE teacher at Ken Island High School, has been there for for quite some time. Mark Jenkins uh, wasn't with us last season, but he's been with us for a long time. I wouldn't be surprised if he's back again. <laughs> he's got but, a bad wing. So <laughs> it's getting better thanks to Rick Perret. Yeah, but all but all, you know all those guys. What what they bring, not only in the football sense but in just the the role model and and the character that they bring to these kids and the love for the program. You know, you you got guys, you know, if you bring in a a coach who doesn't understand the tradition and the history of of what's going on, they can't really have that passion that somebody who's who's lived in it for as long as these guys have. So that was really just the, the big takeaway from all those assistant coaches. I'm curious, too, and we just talked about this with going from an assistant to head coach with the players, but among the assistants at the time, were other assistants up for the job or put in for the job, and how was that dynamic when you got it and maybe they didn't? How did that work? No, they did not put in for it because if they did, I'd probably still been an assistant coach because <laughs> I would said, you guys got it. I'm going to keep yeah. living this this good life of assistant coach. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. 18 years at uh, in, in the state of Maryland as – a head coach, and plus that includes the four years as an assistant at Ken Island. I want to talk about student athletes. All right, student athletes. Uh, you know, I graduated high school back in uh, 1986. Um, you know, and I know what I was like coming out of high school. I wasn't an athlete. My mom never let me play football or anything like that. But I was a coach back in 2007, 2008. And even athletes then, when I look and compare them to the student athletes of 2021, do you see a change? And if so, how? Uh, it's a hard question to answer. Um, I think kids are kids, and, and, and pretty much kids are going to be the same. If you look throughout the decades, 
kids are kids. I, th- I think some of the the problems that we face now are are self-induced by adults. Like we 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 keep lowering the bar of expectations, but then expecting better results, and, and it does it doesn't work that way. Um, you know, uh, we're firm believers that you need to be there in the off season. Like it's this isn't this isn't a a a choice. Even though if you ask the MPSSAA, it's a choice. Right. Well, it's a choice if if you don't want to be good, if you don't want to um, be the best that you can be, then yeah, don't come. But it, it's a require. I mean, it's a requirement to be in a program that wants to be successful. And listen, be, being part of a, a successful high school football program, baseball program, I mean, that's not the end all, be all. But the the whole process of working towards being your best is what they're taking out of these programs. Right. Uh, we have very, very few kids on the shore who are doing anything professionally, athletically. I mean, it's very few people in the world who are doing very doing right. things um, professionally. But, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think we can keep lowering the bar. And that speaks for academics as well, academically, mm-hmm. uh, behavior-wise, and expecting better results. So it boils down to accountability. Yeah, because you guys, would you have done everything you can get away with in high school? Right. I know I would have. Right. Well, and I think Frank Martin, who was a basketball coach at, at South Carolina, said it best. Kids haven't changed. It's the parents that have changed. The parents, we don't hold these kids accountable. We're not requiring them to be the best that they can be. And, and we're accepting the fact that they have uh, they, they've changed them. You know, the parents have changed in what they expect. And I think relate back to babies having babies. You know, I mean, I, I think that's the difference. And, well, and I think, too, you go back to a time in the 50s and 60s and maybe even further, that, further back where parents were so strict. And then as generations gone on, it's like, well, we, we, can't be, we can't be like that. I mean, that was just way to that side. But then they've gone way to the other side as well with getting a little bit you know, too soft or a lot too soft. And also in wanting a better life for their kids than what they had growing up or as adults or young adults as well. I think kids are getting more instead of having to earn it as well. So we've gone from one extreme to the other. Where we need to be probably somewhere in the middle. I know. My, that may be the only time I say being in the middle because that's usually not me. I usually think it's not a pretty hard time. I don't know what it was like in your house, but it was probably the same in my house and in Coach's house. If your mom or your dad called for you, you didn't yell from the other room, what? Because right. more than likely there was going to be a shoe with a heat-sicking missile finding you. Yeah. You know, when they called you, you came to that room and, ma'am, sir, you know, and you're not going to find that in very many kids anymore. Well, and you talked about what you could get away with you know I had a unique situation in going to a high school where my dad and two uncles went and played and my dad and my one uncle were very good athletes but they were friends with people that were in coaches there administration so I had a watchful eye on me all the time right so I had to watch my p's and q's I I had no really no margin for slipping up and so hey that was one the bad thing because i was held accountable i was just held more accountable than right. most of the other kids at that school but hey I, that's fine right so. absolutely yeah. and coach is just sitting there just silent. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. so, i never had the opportunity coach to say ah, maybe i'll miss this or maybe i won't do that i never even had the chance to even think about it all yeah. right so coach ferragamo uh, you talked about jake and uh, uh the reason you quick coaching at Old Mill so you could watch him. Uh, you had the opportunity, you coached with him 
uh, well, I, you coached him, but you didn't coach him. Mm-hmm. Um, you also had another son that came through the program that uh, is also just graduating. Yeah, so uh, Luke is graduating, you know, this year, and uh, he was a four-year four-year player for us in our program, and I co- and I coached him and and Jake's team when he when he was in youth football, um, pulling that double duty yeah. for a while. And that's mm-hmm. a, that's another thing when you know I decided to take over as a head coach, I had to make sure that his youth team was in good hands, and actually Matt Burnside's father took over okay. the youth program because I, I wasn't going to leave that unless it it was in, it was in good right. hands so um you know he took over being the head coach of that to allow me because I, I still went but if you when you show up to a youth practice after a high school practice you are pretty much useless as a coach yeah. <laughs> well, I saw it with McCormick and Joseph and Ward they all did it you know it's rough in the years that I was you know their first I guess my first four years they'd go they'd practice and then they'd go there I'm like good God. That's and and two 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 totally different kinds of kids there. You yeah. know, I mean, do you have to adjust how you coach? But you know, it, you would think. Just like they said, mm-hmm. and when I came in and took over the JV program for McCormick there in North Carolina, those kids knew the offense better than I did. They had the defense because they instituted the same stuff mm-hmm. at the at the youth level, which I'm sure you were doing as well. Yeah. Well, we did some of that stuff, you know, we use same terminologies, but I'm a firm believer in your only job as a youth coach is to make those kids love the sport. Because mm-hmm. um, we get way too many, you know, kind of eyes on chasing W's when, when you're when you're little kids. And a lot of times a little kid doesn't even know if they want to lost the game at the end of it. They just want the soda. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're running around. They want to get out on the field. So I'm a firm believer in the, the most important thing, especially in football, is keep the practices short, keep them, keep them coming back for more, um, and make sure they're having a good time. If they're having a good time, start to be successful, they're going to then come on their own. Winning's a lot more fun. Uh. Winning's definitely <laughs> more fun. There's no doubt I've done both, and winning's definitely better. So so two things I wanted to bring up, because you talked about philosophy. Um, first off, you mentioned Coach Sofanowski as being you know, a military guy, being a tough guy, and you know, very fiery and all that. But you know, you're, you're not – I wouldn't say you're the 180 of that either. I mean, we've been to your practices. You know, you you command respect. You mean business as well. It might not be so Sofanowski, but I wouldn't say that you're exactly, uh, you know, the complete opposite of that. Oh, not, not at all. You know, <laughs> no, yeah. No, not, not at all. I mean – you know, not not to get into specifics, but kids have gotten earfuls. We're not asking for specifics here. <laughs> kids yeah. have gotten earfuls yeah. at. Uh, well, that, that might drive up the numbers, though. So, <laughs> my, my own son caught some of those yeah. some of those uh, tongue lashings yeah. at, at practice as well. Um, you know, I, I I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, I, I think it's it's good to be be firm with kids and let them know that you're disappointed in in what they're doing, um, and and they respond to it. But you have to know from kid to kid who's going to respond and who's not. Right. I, I always have a rule: you never yell at a kicker, because the kicker, if he misses an extra point, you yell at him. It's not going to help him make the next extra point. He's probably you know? going to cry if it's a <laughs> kicker, right? <laughs> He's going to make him hey, nervous next time. Those kickers uh, got a lot of teams into the next round of the playoffs, Potter, this past weekend. But yeah. if your right guard misses a down block, you can probably yell at him, yeah. and it'll be more motivating than it will be a. a distraction for him. In terms of philosophy, you talked about offensive linemen as a, as a high school and college player. Talk to us about your general offensive philosophy, where you get it from, and who along the way in high school and or college made an impact on you in coaching uh, that side of the ball as you went forward at, at Parkdale Old Mill in Kent Island. Well, I, I've, I've, I've run the whole gamut. So when I played in high school, um, starting my sophomore year, we went to North County. I played under uh, legendary coach uh, Chuck Markowitz. Yeah 
who's won. I don't Chuck know, and Duck. A, a hundred million games. Who knows yeah. how many he's won. Um, and he's, he's really the reason I wanted to be a high school football coach. And um, we were throwing the ball everywhere. We were throwing it when no one was throwing it yeah. in the early 90s. Yeah. And um, so that's all, that's all I knew. And then when I went off to Salisbury, we were probably a 60-40 pass-to-run team. So it was we were, we were a very heavy pass. And so, again, it's, it's, it's all I knew. So I was a very pass-happy guy when I first started coaching. Then I went there, and I was really like, well, those kids aren't here. <laughs> That's how we went two and nine. Yeah. <laughs> One and nine, right? One and nine. Well, we couldn't run the ball either then. <laughs> so, um, you know, I implemented some of that stuff and then realized that, you know, I need to learn more. I need, I need to be more diverse in my knowledge. And then when I got to Ole Mill, I was lucky to inherit a very, very good quarterback um, that no one knew about because they graduated all-time great tailback. So this kid was there, and he, he was Keelan Stevens. He, he was a fantastic athlete. I think that year he, he was second in the in Arundel County in rushing and in passing that year. I mean, mm. just a heck of an athlete. And then after him was Grant Enders, who ended up going to Towson mm-hmm. and, and kind of rose Towson um, kind of out of, out of the cellar where, the, where they were. So we were throwing the ball all over the place because we, we had quarterbacks who, you know, we had, col- we had college quarterbacks. Um, and then a couple of guys started to, to come around in our program. Uh, Josh Furman, Jason Clemens. Josh Furman went to, went to Michigan and mm-hmm. ended his career at Oklahoma State. And you have these – and Jason Clemens, one of, the, one of the best running backs we've ever had. And I was like, we, we got to hand them the football. <laughs> you know, we, we, we just got to turn around and give it to these guys. And that's how you win coach of the year, when you hand the ball off to a really, really good guy. That makes you smart. Uh, yeah, and then he just takes it to the house and everybody thinks you're really smart. It's the same plays I was calling before. Just different with, personnel. With different yeah. guys. Yeah. So um, – Kind of turned turned into a to a run heavy coach, and you know talk about how growing as a coach, I, I've kind of learned to kind of adapt within the same system, and you know treating your offensive system like a buffet. When you go to the bu- buffet, you shouldn't eat everything, right? <laughs> you pick out the things you like. So some of you, why'd you look at me, coach? <laughs> it gave Mark the, the eye on that one. <laughs> you looked at me. You didn't look at the skinny guy. Listen, it's a good thing there's not a mirror in front of me. You know, you go out and, yeah. and one year you might pick this the, the, these items. Next year yeah. you got to pick something different. Yeah. So, uh, so we've we we've been a pretty good off tackle running team in different ways with down blocking and kicking out. And when we have kids who can throw the football, like Matt Burnside this year could throw the football. Trying to be very efficient in what we do throwing the ball. Talking with Coach Damon Ferragamo, I want to tell you real quick about Hook Sunglasses. I have a pair. Mike, you haven't gotten a pair yet, but maybe when we... It's, well, it's coming this summer. Yeah, when we get to the summer, the warm yeah. weather, you know, Mike will have his... Back out on the water. So he can wear them to... Uh, uh, the, the White Marlin uh, the Open. The White Marlin yeah. Open, which you've already got circled on your calendar. I do. But uh, the great new sunglasses, and they are made by the folks from an optical galleria. Bob and Nikki Pino, they've designed these. They've got Italian frames, and uh, these lenses are made in the same factory where that C brand is made. Just made to a better specification to meet the quality that is expected at an optical galleria. They now have them in glass lenses and they have them in plastic lenses. Check them out. They're polarized uh, on multi-different colors. Check them out at hookoptics.com 
net and uh, an optical galleria uh, at eisenart.net and hookoptics.com is what it is. So uh, check them out or stop by any of the three locations of an optical galleria, West Water Street in Centerville, Harrison Street in downtown Easton, and of course in the Tealmarsh Plaza in West Ocean City. Well, they saved me when I had to fill into and play by play when I did one of your games this year. Yeah. Uh, those clouds are, whoa, what have I been missing? Yeah. <laughs> we're we're going to try and get Mike. Mike did so good calling play by play. We're going to try and work Mike into a few more games of play by play this year. So it'll be a little bit more Mike, a little less Mark. So wait a minute. So he's got <laughs> so he can slip back to uh, Hokey Land into uh, Crimson Tide Land, right? Minute, does that mean Canal's victories won't be uh, blamed on the referees as much? <laughs> well, that was Jake Coleman. That was not Mark Potter's. We have to go back to the tape. Uh, yeah, because I, I wasn't there, Coach. <laughs> that was a game with Max Spence and uh, and uh, uh, Matt, Matt Griffith, Griffith yeah. the two Matts. Yeah. And uh, I, that was not a game yeah, I called, Coach. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, Speaking of that, so now that you've retired, all right, uh, you, you just bought a, a house in Centerville? Yeah, in the middle of nowhere, yeah. Okay, out in the middle of nowhere, you've been searching, trying to get further and further out. Well, you finally So don't it. find them. Don't try to find them. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> the desire to coach is gone. Um, yeah, r- right now, I- I'm not going to say forever because nothing's forever, but mm-hmm. I have no intentions of – of roaming a sideline <laughs> at all in my brain right now. The tank, the tank is empty. Yeah, there's just other, just other things I, I want to do. Yeah. All right. So I'm, you know, we just had Matt Griffith, who uh, his tank was empty too. I don't believe that. Uh, so uh, his kid <laughs> well, is. Well, that's now, a family decision, yeah, yeah, though. Yeah, 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 it was. And, well, it wasn't about him has, being out of. Yes. And his kid has, um, you know, graduated. Will be on his football staff. Griffith has uh, gone back to Easton High School. So we've got that color commentator position open. That I think, honestly, with your knowledge and what you can bring to the broadcast, I broadcast. I think you'd be a great fit. It's something that would definitely intrigue me. Now, one thing that I'm going to do this year is I'm going to be on like the Mark Potter schedule because I've never been to a big-time college football game in my life. Well, you know what? If you do the broadcast with me, we'll take off after a game and we'll head to Virginia Tech and we'll go see Brent Pry and uh, you know the, what he's going to be doing uh, with the Hokies this year. You may, yeah, you may need to take it to Tuscaloosa too. That may have to get it over the top. <laughs> my, my wife and I actually, we, we have tentative plans to probably go see about three big-time football games. Nice. I'd love to see a game in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. I'd love to go to the big house. Mm-hmm. I'd love to go down to an SEC game because yeah. um, I've never done it. I've always been coaching, yeah. and yeah. you just don't have time to run off and, and do those kind of things. Sure. I'm already looking That's at cool. my schedule. Um, you know, I was thinking maybe uh, Alabama versus um, uh, Vanderbilt. That's in Tuscaloosa. And probably easier to get tickets for than yes. some other Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah just like uh, yeah, mm-hmm. Alabama's going to be hosting Auburn this year on the Saturday of uh, – uh, Thanksgiving, probably not able to get tickets for that. You know, Virginia Tech's going to be yeah, We've got playoffs that weekend, Mark. Yeah, well, <laughs> only if we have a Bayside team make it well, that far. Oh, I'm so. saying I, I well, am confident we well, will. Well, I've gotten I, close. Griffith has already told me they're going 0-9. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, yeah, as all the coaches are, right? Yeah. As as that's what they say, right? Um, but uh, you know, now that's something we would like to talk to you about because I absolutely, I think, I think it'd be a lot of fun. We can work with your schedule. Um, His wife's know. like, just when I thought I had him for Friday nights, and yeah. Mark Potter gets no, it. No, see, what you don't understand because my <laughs> wife has already said the same thing to me since I stepped away. This year was the first year I haven't coached any high school sports. Yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah. it was the first year I didn't coach, yeah. and my wife's like. Oh, you're finally done. And you, you know, you stepping away and not coaching this year. The biggest thing, I last year there wasn't a season, so it didn't bother me. So I've started the shoresportsmd.com, and day number two, I start going to talk to coaches, and I go and I sit down at uh, the Kent Island girls' basketball practice prior to the boys, and I'm sitting there watching uh, Dave Plumer coach up the girls. And because they hadn't picked up a ball in so long, it was going back to day one. Mm -hmm. And I think you'll agree, the whole reason you get into coaching isn't to get those wins. Well, those are nice. It's the teaching part. And that, sitting there watching him for a half hour go through crap, just i had to get out of there i i was i was <laughs> yeah. missing it so bad yeah. and then going and seeing a couple of games I'm like why are they doing that why what are you doing you gotta do that and i'm like oh man i i miss it bad so i'm on the prowl for next year <laughs> well, i knew <laughs> it i knew you would be somewhere i knew it i, I, I want to get back into uh, it brian aiken who coaches kent county yeah, that's right he's that's coaching right. gunston girls yeah I, I told that. the athletic director at St. Peter and <laughs> Paul when I left, I said, hey, just so you know, if anything tragically happens to Katie, I'm interested. Yeah, she's not Sorry. going anywhere. She's yeah. here for four years because yeah. her daughter's still there. And I'm like, I'm on the prowl. <laughs> for all those winter coaches, God bless them. I mean, I, I, I like watching high school. I, I love all high school sports. I like watching high school basketball. And, you know, I talk to different coaching buddies. Like, I were rusty. I was like, well, you look like a team that hasn't played in two years because you haven't played in two years. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. So uh-huh. I mean, they, they've got they've got a lot of work to do. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, you miss it. You, you really end up missing it. Is that a fear of yours? Um, No, I I, I I I wouldn't say it was it was a fear. It, it, I have I have plenty to do. <laughs> I know your, your wife sent us the list. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've I've got plenty to do and a lot of things you know that 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 hold my interest. And um, if it were to come up that that I miss it, I'm pretty sure I could latch on with somebody. And um, so would hire. Yeah, yeah I, I could latch on with somebody if if if, if I really missed it that much. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you got Eastern probably high. Decatur would pay you more. They might even get, build you. A they house would. Buy, down they there. would. Buy, yeah. yeah. Buy <laughs> they would bust you down from Centerville if, you, if they didn't build you a house. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, that's what uh, he, he's looking to get a monopoly on all the yeah. great coaches in the Bayside. There. Yeah, I think he is. <laughs> oh, so. they, got Je- they have Jeff Herrick there, and I'd have yeah. a lot more wins on my resume if Jeff Herrick wasn't coaching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I had many, many. Because he was at what uh, Ro- Broadneck, Broadneck, Broadneck High School, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just a great, ran yeah. a great program. What just so happens he. Lives in Ocean Pines now, mm-hmm. and uh, that that worked out. It's where everybody well. retires. All yeah. the football coaches retire down in Worcester County, and yeah. you know they they can keep working down there because they pay them you know three times what teachers are paid around here, I guess. So, but uh, we are talking with Coach Damon Ferragamo, head coach uh, from Kent Island High School. He stepped away after uh, really eleven years there, four as an assistant, seven as a head coach, and hopefully we'll have him on the sidelines for our fourteenth year of overtime live this year. 
here. Um, but, you know, we've talked about the kids and, and all that. I want to talk about the coach's wife. And, and I got into that with McCormick and Joseph and, and Ward when I spoke with them in episode 24. And, you know, they, they think their wives deserve an award, which they probably do. Um, but talk to me a little bit about your wife and how she has been so supportive. Because you couldn't have never done it if you didn't have her support. Because you followed her all the way up to Long Island. Long Island. And I assume it's the same wife. I mean, I can't assume anymore because we, we got in trouble for that last <laughs> yes, year. Yes, we did. Same ago. one. Same yes, one. We yes, we did. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. So let's talk, talk to us a little bit about her. Um, well, you know, my wife, as a as a football wife, has kind of grown along with me as a coach. Um, I think, you know, when we were first married, she definitely didn't understand what what we're getting into. Mm-hmm. Um, and people that aren't in the in the football in the coaching world have no idea. Um, you know, if the game's at one, like, why do you have to be there at ten? I was like, I just have to. Right. Like, there's fires to put out, and something's going to happen, and this kid's going to do this. And um, damn and that, media wants to talk to yeah, us before the game. To, right, yard markers media. need to go out. All sorts of stuff. Um, yeah. But as, as years go by, um, the, the coaching staff. And their families really becomes an extended family. Um, so when I was at Ole Mill, she she made great friends with the other coaches' wives, and they're going off on little vacations together. Um, so you definitely need a partner who who kind of understands what's going on and is willing to jump into that world and kind of open up open up their own circle. She's so she she's been absolutely fantastic, and, and not only that aspect, but they kind of put up with you after you lose <laughs> when you come home and you're grumpy for no reason whatsoever and you're short and all that other stuff um, they, they put up with a whole lot and all, all the stress that you feel you take home and whether it's consciously or subconsciously you kind of make life life at home not all that great for yeah. a little while yeah. so you know b- being able to put up with all of that and um, being up in the stands and hearing people say terrible, terrible things about you sometimes. Yeah. Um, not- you never, you never bought her a shirt that said "Coach's Wife" because I got my wife that one for the stands at, at uh, to wear. So I don't think she needs it. My wife's not one to be quiet. Oh, so oh. If she something okay. she doesn't like. I mean, you're probably going to hear something from her. She was giving me a little trouble with you. Said, "Why are you doing that podcast after they they said that all your wins were because of the referees?" <laughs> I gotta pull tape. I don't I never, recall this. I, I never said that. I sure as heck never said that. Um. Uh, it, it must have happened. It must have happened. Yeah, yeah. I but mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and not not only not only my wife, but but all the wives of, of all all of our coaches, they give up a lot because they have you know half of half of the parents gone, and there's a lot of things that fall on their plate with with dinner, with homework, when your kids are little, with baths and bedtime, yeah. that um, that they sacrifice a whole lot and, uh, and and really pick up the slack. Yeah, well, we, we never said that. I, I think it was Bradley. I think Bradley I was definitely would not have said anything so, like that. <laughs> so, yeah. Might have been other coaches, the opponents. I, th- I, I think, well, l- l- yeah, I was going to say, let's take a time out here. You won a heck of a lot more games than you lost, so there shouldn't have been too many grumpy, uh, <laughs> grumpy Friday nights or Saturdays or weekends yeah, for all that. You only but, blew seven. Team with the officials, coach. Yeah. <laughs> but, but 
Hey, I, I, if it's going to be anybody that's uh, a little uh, you know, ornery about it, it would be the opposing coaches. Yeah, we just call it like we see it, you know. So it's funny that, like you said, with seventeen losses, the problem is after you win, it's like happiness for one day, and then it turns, right. then it turns into the stress immediately when you wake up uh, uh, on uh, Saturday uh, morning of winning it, of winning the yeah, yeah of the of the next week. But well, and to that end, you talked about the tradition at, at Kent Island, and and I brought this up as well that North Carolina had that run. And it seemed as if people had forgotten recently about how good Ken Island and Queen Anne's had been because you guys set the bar high and Caroline had been, you know, five and five, six and four type team. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, they, they, they had some amazing Division One players along with their, you know, the, the core that they have who are blue collar guys. But the entire way, it's like, yeah, but don't forget who had been there for years before that. And but So did you feel that as a head coach? And, and maybe Donnie Grafe did as well. We'd have to ask him. But did you feel that as a head coach? Like, all of a sudden, people are forgetting about our program? Um, I, I don't know. Not so much. I, th- I think that when, when I first came in um, as an assistant coach, it was Queen Anne's and Y High was a very good football team. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was just starting – the, the Ken Island's little dominance of run they had under Coach Sofranowski where we won a ton of games in, in those times that I was assistant coach. And then th- things start to cycle, and they'll cycle again. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what some people don't understand. I mean, mm. it, nobody's been good forever except for Fort Hill, and no one's <laughs> really been bad forever. Right. Things are going to things are going to go up up and down. So, yeah, there, there's there was definitely we had a lot of good bulletin board material this year for you know certain people in the media <laughs> picking us in the middle of the pack. Other you know, yeah, that stuff, was not stuff. me. That was not me. <laughs> that picked like you that. guys preseason seventh. That was not me. I think it was. Eighth, by the way. Uh, well, so you don't forget. See these coaches, Mark. These coaches say, "Oh, we don't pay attention to them." I mean, we know the players do, but we don't pay attention to what so and so said, or this website, or this TV station, or this radio station. But I'll be darned, it comes up eventually. You darn right know that they do. Well, they I'm not a coach anymore, so I went back yeah. and read all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what's great is because you know, folks always ask me, you know, how many listeners do y'all have with Overtime Live? We have, we have no idea. We can tell now with our online listeners and we have a ton of online listeners now because that's how a lot of people are absorbing sure you know our, our games and and our it's know, how our they consume, consume right. media today. right yeah. so you know they, they when we first started and we were doing our post game show after our game of the week it, we i remember queen ants we're going out we're leaving queen ants and we're always listening to you but there are people sitting in their trucks standing outside their trucks or just bullcrapping around while listening to Overtime Live because the coaches were talking and you knew there was always bulletin board material because <laughs> or I mean, they were looking for it. Right, because <laughs> you knew, I mean, you'd get a text from a coach, you know, yeah. that uh, was especially Jake Coleman. Jake Coleman's never shy to talk about. And he's a little more tame now and a little more guarded about what he says, but he used to, I really think, you know, he'd say stuff just to give them material, you know, and like, you know, you'll get a text, thanks for that, you know, from a, from a different coach or what have you. So what other avenues yeah. are there to listen to the podcast? I listen on Spotify. 
Okay. So well, what other avenues are there? So, well, the podcast, you can always listen on Spotify. We're available also uh, on the podcast, wherever you can, get, you know, where you listen to your podcast. Uh, if you go to shoresportsmd.com, you just click on that box to the right of that uh, videos up there, and that'll take you right to the podcast as well. As far as Overtime Live is concerned, you can listen on 94.3 Winks FM on your radio. You can listen on our Forever Radio app. Uh, you download that Forever Radio app at for, uh, Forever mid-shore and you can find Winx FM. You can also just Google it on your phone, you know, Winx FM and it'll come up. You go to the website, click on Winx FM and listen live and you can listen to the game on your phone that way as well. So there's a lot of different ways that people can listen and it's changed a lot in the way that people do mm-hmm. listen to the radio and when they listen to podcasts. Podcasts are such, you know, a thing now that, I mean, there's podcasts for anything, whether you want to go to the bathroom or how to sit in a chair. There's I mean, millions there's, of them. Yeah, yeah, there's millions of podcasts Listen to a lot of there. small farm podcasts nowadays. I bet you do. Yeah, so what, let's talk about farms. Now that you're yeah. a far, now that we're farmer Ferragamo instead of coach Ferragamo, what do we have on the farm right now? Oh, well, um, uh, Chickens, I couldn't tell you how many bunch of chickens we have. Uh, are they egg-producing chickens, or yes. will these be chickens that we'll cook? They are egg-producing chickens, but there will be some meat chickens coming in, okay. in the spring. Farming's not as fun in the winter. Yeah. In the spring, well, yeah. well, it's okay. The winter's rough. Well, let's set the scene, though. How many acres do you have, and how did you get into farming? Because, wait a minute, he's got an educational degree. How the heck did you get into farming? I, I don't know. Um, we have a uh, like a 10-and-a-half-acre property out okay. in Centerville. Okay. We have, we have a few pigs. Mm, um, we had bacon. a steer who's going to freezer camp. Who's he's not with us anymore. <laughs> um, some rabbits. Um, rabbits. What do you do with the rabbits? You show the rabbits, or no? We, we show them to the dinner plate. <laughs> really? This <laughs> um, so. is the Eastern Shore, Mark. Right, I mean, yeah. What do you expect? I, I, like, I just could never eat thumper. My, my my friends ask. I'm not sure how. It's too many of them. It just. Around. I don't know how it materialized. But we, we when we lived over here, right next to Ken Allen High School, we got a couple backyard chickens, and then you know you get into it, you start reading about it, start researching. Like well, I want to do this and do this, and then we kind of outgrew what we wanted to do. <laughs> So we just had to move to a place where we could do it. So are yours free-range chickens? or, or? Yes. Okay. Yep. So they can roam all over. They're all over the place. That's and, and Bob Marley-type chickens. Uh, <laughs> they're smoking weed out there and just it, having a good it, time. It, it, makes a, it makes the hawks and the bald eagles and the foxes happy, too, every once in a while. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're living their best life running around the farm. Good uh-huh. for them. That, that's, yeah, did you ever picture when you, you know, when you moved to Kent Island from you know, Severna Park that I think I'm going to get me a couple chickens? I'm from Brooklyn Park. No. We, there, there was no. There's no background of that in my yeah, family that, all i was so gonna say yeah this fault. is complete opposite yeah it's just my wife's from long island there yeah. was no farming <laughs> yeah no no that whatsoever just i don't so, know we latched on to it started researching kind of kind of like the life of trying to grow our own food a little bit so did you buy the book farming for dummies or anything no uh like i said a lot of podcasts a lot of yeah. youtube videos <laughs> a lot of yeah. a lot of books and oh you should have been like girl weaver and planted a tomato garden tomato. next to the football stadium you oh, know absolutely. or at the corner you should have done something like that absolutely you know? or brought the chickens or something you know or day like rocky have your players chase, chase the, chicken. the chickens yeah. you know to work on speed and all that you can't catch them you know yeah. <laughs> 
So, <laughs> Coach Ferragamo, no longer with Ken Island. Um, I will say that I uh, spoke with uh, Ken Island Athletic Director Dan Harding today. Called him, and I'm sure he told you yeah, everything that yeah, you wanted well, to ask. The worst kept secret was that uh, Sofanowski is coming back. Well, uh, you know, after talking with my conversation with Bob Woolley, he was like, "Well, they got to do the interview process." I said, "What? What? The, just uh, just hire the man." So yes, they uh, they've had two or three, multiple people, uh, probably two or three, uh, have applied uh, for the position. Uh, he would not detail who was on that because, honestly, he hadn't gotten the list yet. He was expecting it uh, later on the 24th, the day of this uh, podcast recording. And um, Sofanowski's name is on there. We do know that. Uh, and they yeah. are going to try and get interviews all taken care of this week and see if they can have an announcement for the new head coach by Friday. So, don't know who the other two are. Um, I, I would suspect it, it, it is Queen Anne's County, and they're going to do their just and you know interview everybody with no preconceived you know notions as to who's going to take over. But coaches are like down deep inside. Did, Looking at that program, I think Soph would be a natural fit. I don't see how you could find anybody better. <laughs> yeah. um, mm. I, I can't imagine. I, I, I mean, Soph has, I couldn't even tell you, regional championships and, yeah. you know, if not 100 wins, real, real close to 100 wins and just the, the history in the school. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I, I couldn't imagine somebody being better. But, you know, if, if Coach Sofanowski wants it, you know, I, I, I haven't spoken to him about that. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I think it would be a great fit, but that's not my decision to make. I, I, if I wanted to make decisions, I shouldn't have left. I, 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 I texted his <laughs> I girlfriend, right. and all I got yeah. back was LOL. So, and she yeah. hadn't talked to me since. Yeah. So. Well, and, and speaking of which, you're talking about coaches and all that and regional championships. We got into this with Coach Sofanowski back when we did our very first podcast up at the Edge Training Academy over a year ago now, I guess it was, or earlier in 21. Anyway, um, so – Jake Coleman wins his 100th game on a Saturday, I believe it was, against, and I can't remember, Parkside. Okay. Yep, I was there. You won your 100th game the night before, and I think that only came to be because we started talking, okay, there have got to be some other coaches that are near 100 wins or near a mark. And so I think it was that I started you know, texting yeah. and or Facebook messaging some of the coaches such as yourself. And you said, yeah, yeah I won my 100th the night before at Wicomico. I was like, well, you know, were you going to say anything about it? It's like, nah, you know, I don't make, I don't make grand, uh, you know, announcements about those things. I mean, very humbly. I mean, but congratulations on that. It's a big deal that you got that before you decided to hang it up. Oh, thank you. And and the only reason I really knew is because they do that preseason meeting with coaches and they give you that form you got to fill out. And they're like, what's your career record? You're like, ah, you, so you get on the phone, you try to look up Max Preps, you try to rack your memory. Because I'm telling you, I'm telling Mark, you, they know their record. <laughs> just like they know what I who I picked in the game Friday night. I'm telling you, yeah. I bet you, I bet you very, very yeah. few. No, uh, no, they're coaching. Uh, it's on my computer yeah. for every every yeah. uh, sport that I ever played with their seasons. Yeah. I have that. I mean, I have my only, record as an assistant coach. Only know? because my daughter says you ought to keep track of that. And I'm yeah. like, you're right, honey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Parkdale, that's the first one. Yes. So one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I knew I went one and nine. Then I knew I went seven and three. 
and then the old old mill years get fuzzy That's, because yeah. it was lo- further, you know, longer ago. And right. You can't remember. And Max Preps only goes back to 04. And Max so, Preps yeah. is not reliable. Yeah, it's <laughs> really not, not reliable. <laughs> They're only uh, as good as the information you put in. Yeah. Yeah. You have to go back to the yearbooks, right? <laughs> yeah, you yeah. Just, yeah, and you, you just got to look and, and uh, just try to piece it together, really. <laughs> yeah, but it's just funny how they came about. I was like, oh yeah, I won my 100th yeah, yeah. night before. I was like, oh, yeah. Did you know that suicide is the second leading cause of death for individuals between 10 and 34 years old? Everyone can play a role in suicide prevention. For many, that means starting and continuing conversations with those we care about. There are three important steps: ask, listen, share. Ask those in your circle, are you okay? Really? And stick around for the answer. Listen without judgment and let the person share their story. And finally, share mental health resources. You don't need to have all of the answers to start a conversation. For more suicide prevention resources, visit nomatterwhatyoumatter.org. And if you feel lost and in need of a hand, help is here for you. Call For All Seasons at 410-822-1018. This Mental Health Minute was brought to you by For All Seasons, the Midshore's Behavioral Health and Rape Crisis Center. Uh, Coach Damian Farragamo joining us here on Time Out with Shore Sports, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. And, and Coach, uh, we, we've run the gamut. We've talked about the family. We've talked about the wife. We've talked about where it all began. And uh, we're still trying to, you know, we'll talk to you there is pay involved to be able to be our color commentator so that'll probably help the wife and ease that pain a little bit buy some more chickens uh, yeah so you know <laughs> but uh, you know farmer farragamo now and um you know you're welcome to stay around and talk with us real quick uh when we talk about some college football real quick and sure. uh, and, and wrap that up because i know that you're a fan of that but uh um yeah i <laughs> Went down to Tuscaloosa. Um, well, before I went to Tuscaloosa, um, I had the pleasure of going to New York City uh, yeah. for the Pinstripe Bowl, Yeah, um, where I watched uh, the, the Virginia Tech Hokies get shellacked by the Maryland Terrapins. And, and again, I didn't think the Hokies were, had a chance in anyway. Um, because they were down so many. I mean, their quarterback, I mean. Blum- well, their first two quarterbacks. Yeah, Blumrick yeah. is, you know, he's he's a runner, and, and he couldn't yeah. throw. He couldn't hit the broadside of El Jefe if he tried, um, and uh, and that showed in the game. Uh, so I knew it was going to be a tough one. I'd hoped they'd been a little more competitive, but uh, but an experience to, to be there. I will say Virginia Tech, I was very disappointed in the number of fans that were there. There were only 23,000 in this stadium, in Yankee Stadium, yeah. uh, and most of them, probably 60 to 70%, 60% were Hokies fans. And they were a lot more vocal than Maryland fans. Well, and that's disappointing because Maryland's got a big contingent of alumni in New York City, in the New York area. Uh, But I I think the weather, which was pretty lousy, unfortunately. It didn't rain. No, but it was it was pretty cold. It, it was it, it was damn cold. Yeah, yeah. it was it was very cold. But I, I think that the fact that you had 
The weather wasn't great. You had uh, increased COVID restrictions for those that may have wanted to make a weekend out of it. And the fact that Virginia Tech had about six key guys that were out um, for that game for transfer portal or injury or or whatever it may be. And, uh, yeah, and and so I I didn't have the attendance. It's disappointing, though, because that was – for Maryland, I I know that Virginia Tech was down. It was a coaching staff on their way out the door. But Maryland came out strong. They didn't take Vatek for granted. They Mm -hmm. wanted to get that seventh win, first bowl win since 2010, first bowl game since 2016. So I like the way they came out. They played hard. And as it turns out, they're getting a bunch of players back that I didn't necessarily expect, like a Dante Demas next year. Um, So that's going to be good. They're getting a lot of O-linemen back. Uh, Their quarterback's going to be back. And all of a sudden, the recruiting class went from the 50s and 60s to a top 30 class. So um, hopefully, uh, Maryland will be able to build on it. Vatek's got a a good new head coach and Brent Pry coming in. Yeah. So Maryland, like I said, I've never been to a big time football game before. I've been to Maryland games, so that's <laughs> yeah. Where the opposing crowd is the biggest crowd. They, yeah. uh, they, they have work to do to make that a, a big time event that people want to go yes. see. I watched them play Michigan State, and I was excited. So to me, Michigan State. I mean, that's that's a blue blood football to me. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, that's that's big time football. And I went there, and it was everybody's sitting on their hands mm-hmm. in, a, in a half empty stadium so that they have their work to do so hopefully they can they can build off of this this bowl victory what i'm waiting for is stop hearing about recruiting classes and start seeing wins yeah yeah well you know you're absolutely right and, and this was a start now you know the middle of the season was pretty rough but they start out four and oh they go two and six but they finish uh they yeah they finish the year two and six they had that win against Rutgers, which is big both teams looking for a bowl game and then they finish strong against Vodtech. so you're right uh, you know, this coming season that we want to start seeing it again as it builds up. You talk about sitting on your hands and stuff like that. Now, Virginia Tech, I had the opportunity. I went to a couple games there this year. I saw them play Syracuse and uh, um, I can't even remember. Notre Dame? I, no, I didn't go to the Notre Dame game. I wish. It was um, – I, I saw two games. So the thing is Virginia Tech has inner Sandman. Mm-hmm. And that atmosphere – when that is going on is absolutely amazing. It's probably, to me, one of the greatest grand entrances in college football. But when you compare Virginia Tech's game experience to Alabama's game experience, my son, who's at Virginia Tech, will tell my daughter and has told her, y'all pale in comparison. I had to tell him, wait a second. I'm going to take you next year to Alabama so you can see what a real celebration is like because that place, over 100,000 people in um, Brian Denny Stadium, and the, the lights, I mean, they go up and down in different you know, colors and flashing and, you know, the Dixieland delight in the fourth quarter and everybody's singing and they're all dressed in crimson or white or both. It's just that atmosphere. SEC football, and the thing about those folks, what I learned is they expect to win. When they lost to Texas A&M, my daughter sent me videos of people crying. Not football players. These are the fans. They're crying because they lost a game. They took it to heart, and Saban even came out and really kind of he loves his fans, but he really bashed the fans. But you all expect too much. You think these guys don't care? Right, right. You know, I mean, they, they care. Nobody it's, cares more about winning than right, they do. You know that. Right, I mean, a high score, right. college, or the pro. Yeah, fans get spoiled. 
They really you did. You get spoiled and you expect You would know that. Again. When, when, when the other team's given scholarships too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, you know, that's the thing. I went yeah. down and, um, and I was hoping that Alabama would be in the national championship game because my daughter wanted to take her car back. So I said, hmm, you go back on the 9th, national championships on the 10th. I'll plan to be in Tuscaloosa for the national championship and just hoping they'd be there. And, of course, they were. And going into – we got into uh, Buffalo Wild Wings real early, about 5.15. Down there, the game starts an hour earlier, so it was a 7.15 kick. But every place on the strip was already having people lined up out the doors. And so we went. I'm surprised you get, you got a, we went, a space at five. Well, we went into Mc, over onto McFarland where Buffalo Wild Wings is, and we walked in, and we were probably one of about ten tables. Well, let me tell you, by the time kickoff was, that place there wasn't a table to be had. Sure. And just the atmosphere of being there in Tuscaloosa with all of those Alabama fans and one Georgia fan. I'm surprised he made it out alive. <laughs> um, yeah, it was just, it was so cool. But you're right. They expected to win. And when they didn't, boy, they were crushed. <laughs> so, but, it, it, you know, we have, I, I think football is, is a fun game. And, and I think for us here at uh, Shore Sports MD and Overtime Live, we love calling football more than any other sport because, we're, the coaches work with us. I mean, I moan and groan all the time about coaches from across all the other sports in the Bayside not giving us results and not reporting their results in the high scores so that we can give the exposure to the kids. We don't have that problem when it comes to football. Now, Coach, you email me Excel spreadsheet of stats every week to my Sure Sports MD email address, and you were, you know, it's, right on it. Yeah, I just liked having the the avenue to get that stuff out. Yeah. Um, and, and being so easy. I mean, there were days you had to call. I mean, back in short, you had to call the newspaper and mm-hmm. you're telling them all that stuff. It was, it was very, very tedious. Um, but like I told you guys before, like I've, I've coached on Long Island and PG County and Anne Arundel County um, and here in the Bayside. There's never there, there's nothing like this anywhere else that, that I've been in the time frame that I was there where you get so much um, coverage you know, with games on the radio, with a podcast about about high school high school kids playing sports, a website about it, um, I just I just think it's a really special thing. And, and it all started because I mean I had I lived in Kansas City and I lived in Mississippi, and hearing that, especially in Mississippi, and hearing you know a statewide show where they have people calling in from all over the state. You know, Maryland's big. And, and I don't think we'd get the participation. And let's face it, people here on the shore, 98% of the people here on the shore could care less about football over there. Mm-hmm. But on this side of the water, boy, they love their Bayside football. And, and I think that uh, it, it's provided a great avenue. It's allowed us to meet fine folks like yourself and uh, get to do this because it's not possible without our fans and without our sponsors, but also not without the cooperation of the coaches, and and that's what makes it so much fun. Yeah. Well, and I talked about uh, the first North Carolina game that we went to because we did a Thursday night game. We were able to come out to your game on that Friday night. Beautiful weather, sunset, beautiful. But you know, we had access to go around. We did Facebook lives and our commentary and stuff as the game. 
games going on. And you guys were fully cooperative in, in allowing us to do what we needed to do. We would come to practices. I know I was at the tri scrimmage uh, back before the season started. Yeah, he and, loved that, you know, by the way. I, I he did. loved having us at his practices. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it was. Uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. And I think the thing about football, Coach, you would agree, is that, and I think I talked about this in the very first one we did, it's it's all the work and the buildup to that one night in a couple of hours. You know, with all the other sports, with all due respect, you get a game, a game today, okay, there's another game two days from now. But with football, you get one chance, and there's all the buildup and the work from those at the concession stand to the cheerleaders to the band to those, you know, up in the press box and all that. You know, there's all that work that goes into those two or three hours for one night and that's what makes it special for me because a lot of other sports aren't like that there's just so many more games of it football uh it's it's uh, very finite it's the ultimate and delayed gratification yes yes uh, and not only for you're talking about that one game you're talking about lifting the offseason you do yeah. so much for nine games for nine opportunities mm. to play yeah, and that's crazy. but those are special opportunities Absolutely. on those nights. I mean, with the fire, the girl with the fire sticks and all that. Yeah, and you know, in high school does it does it you know. does it right. Sometimes it's great. I'd get to complaining about all the nuts, <laughs> all the stuff. You know, come on, coach, buskill. Uh, look, I, I love the band. I love the yeah. dance team. I, lo I love all that stuff. It's just a great high school experience for everybody. But yeah. my biggest complaint about Ken Island, all this great stuff, is their fans are so late to the football games they'll show up you'll look out there we've talked about it many a time first quarter where the hell's all the fans finally by halftime they start rolling in this year you guys moved your start times to uh what it was uh six it, it six, was 30. six it was six o'clock yeah. it was six o'clock it before you knew that you would have um cambridge queen anne's and ken island would all be seven o'clock and they moved it to six this year but it didn't matter because even when they were seven, those fans still didn't show up until halftime. Maybe I'll be able to figure it out this year when I'm a fan. And You're I'll not going to be a fan. You're going to be in the booth with us right. talking about what we've been And you won't have about. to worry about paying electronically either. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Only cashless, you know, with that. But, uh, well, it's a, it's a, like an L.A. crowd, you know, yeah. the, with the traffic. It's it's late arriving, but they get there, and once they do, it's a it, it, it's a good Friday night. Oh, yeah. I'd put our student yeah. section this year against any student section in the state of Maryland. They were fantastic this year. Oh, in the playoff game, they were in, in the one against Douglas. They were, mm -hmm. pretty, they were pretty good. Now, the one thing we haven't asked, Mark, well, two things, is to talk about the rivalry with Queen Anne's and then any game or games that stick out in your mind that was a favorite of yours, Coach, over the years? Well, the rivalry against Queen Anne's, um, I think it's a very healthy rivalry. I, lo I, I love the rivalry. Um, you know, you may or may not know I, I won't wear green. Uh, well, I, I mean, my wife got I love mad. it. <laughs> my wife got mad at me one time because we were at a birthday party and I wouldn't let my son eat a green cupcake. <laughs> I love, I love the passion. Yeah. I love it. So um, I don't plan to change that because I, I you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm still a Ken Island guy. Yeah. Um, and then when I was at, at Old Mill, Arundel was one of our big. Okay. Um, yeah. And they were green. So the Wildcats. They were green. Right. So we give right. kids a hard time for wearing green in school. And um, yeah, I, I, I like that. I think it's, I think it's healthy. I, um, you know, we we've had some. I was I'm lucky enough to to have been pretty successful against Queen Anne's in in, in the times that I that I was there. 
And uh, your record coach, I know you kept count, <laughs> was? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I remember one loss, and I think that we should have won that game, too. <laughs> Probably yeah. the officials' fault. <laughs> I, remember, I, remember, I remember. I remember the one. Uh, uh. But, but games, games that stick out, it, it's some, sometimes weird games stick out. We went, we went and beat Cambridge once at Cambridge. I, I couldn't remember the year. I know Mikey Quinn was, was our – I know, I know Sean Mooney's on team. I remember Mikey Quinn running down the field uh, to score a touchdown. So I'm not sure what it was, but um, just personally, I thought it was a big one. I thought, I thought Cambridge was a very, very talented team. I thought we were in trouble. I thought we didn't match up well, and we ended up very successful against them. Um, so it, it, sometimes it's not the games you, you think they might be. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the playoff game against North Carolina when you ruined their perfect season? That, that, was, that was nice. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was definitely a good one. And there was another yeah. game against uh, North Carolina where we blocked a field goal with, with yeah. a couple seconds left on the last play, or almost the last play of the game, returned it for a touchdown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all, all, the, all those games that are kind of drama-filled definitely stick out in your head. You know, and Mark, i, I got to bring this up because, again, I, I usually put myself on the line with the picks and the power poles. The year that you beat North Carolina in the playoffs, I don't. It's all probably on me, but I never came out. I don't think that year with an official final poll. And the you problem, the problem <laughs> was North Carolina was undefeated that that regular season. I think you guys may have only had one loss during the regular season, and then you beat them in the playoffs in that first round, and. Mark, I know you and I, you just said, well, yeah, what do you I'm do sure, here? I'm sure Who Mike probably them? put him 1A and 1B, well, right, right, 1A and right. 1A because right. that's his way out now. Yeah. You know, but <laughs> I, never did, I never did, though, come out with a final poll, and that's still you know, a behind-the-scenes story. And I still wrangle with myself who deserved to be number one because Carolina had a great team that year. But to your guys' credit, I mean, you beat them at their place – in the playoffs, and I think you only had one loss that year yourself. The, uh, we had two losses that year. Okay, we went to two. Carolina. We lost to Oakdale at Oakdale in our out-of-conference Okay. Game. Oh, there and you go. Problem solved. North Carolina number one, Ken Island number yeah. two. But to go out and play a team like Oakdale at that time, <laughs> one of the best oh. in the state, yep. yeah, they were. you know, you got to give them a little slack on that. But, yeah. yeah. They were but anyway. I, and I hope that's something that, that schools can do if they wish is to, is to go out and play some some bigger schools in the state. I understand the situation that we're in now. Right. Um, I was all for it. I said we should all play all Bayside because you don't know what rule people rules people are going to have around the state as far as playing out of – out of county You're, competition, that type of thing. So yeah. I think the prudent thing to do would be play all Bayside until we get back to some sense of normal. Oh, right, oh, that'll right, be right. next year. We'll be okay. Yeah. So uh, yeah. wasn't it Ken Island that went out to Fort Hill as yes. well? Because we went they out did. and broadcast that game. Too. Well, yeah, you did right. Yeah, yep. so yep. Yep. and we did. Uh, Ken Island, uh, we talk about good football experiences. Uh, we brought this up with Sofa as well, Middletown, yeah. a Middletown yeah. playoff game where your defense hung in there. The offense, it was a tough night for the offense, but defense hung in there for, for the first half and all that. But that was a hell of a football experience out there. Hey, Coach, the, the West one game that sticks out for me, and uh, it always it, will, it, it always will, yeah. is the Hartford Tech game. Oh yeah, the playoff game. Absolutely, so where we thought for sure we were we were already making hotel reservations for the following <laughs> week, and uh, it was kind of like the Chiefs and the uh, the Bills last night. Oh yeah, I remember that was a very that was a very strange game. 
um, you know, we scored on a tipped pass early, and, and things were going our way, and their defense was tough. Gosh, bless yeah, they were yeah, tough. They played tight man-to-man coverage in the secondary. And, and, and yeah. a very um, unconventional defensive front with their alignment that, that, that messed with some blocking rule, rule stuff and good players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that always right. helps. That was, Trent, that was Trent Jackson who was quarterback for you guys, right? Yes. He came, he came mm-hmm. over from Riverdale Baptist, mm-hmm. had a big year for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. And Trent's, uh, Trent's younger brother's playing for Ken Island right now. He, uh, he suffered an injury in the spring season, and which carried because seasons are right after each other, mm-hmm. kind of carried over to this year. But he, he should do some, some good things. He's an offensive lineman. He should do some good things next year. Yeah. Well, that, that game there, whew, I, I remember that one. That was a tough one to swallow. Yeah. But we'll, we'll always remember the Ken Island Wicomico game. Oh, yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I was I was an assistant yeah. at yeah. that time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. That, that's yeah. just that's that's always going to come yeah. right to the top of yeah. the top of the head with nettles. Yeah, <laughs> but when you think there's so many great games, the the game we lost to Dunbar, um, in yes, the, in, yeah. in the yeah. state semifinal. Yep. Um, gosh, there, there's been so many. We used to play Elkton out of conference uh, to start the year. I just think it's important to go out and play those other schools mm-hmm. if our conference wants the respect that I think it deserves on the state level. I mean, North Carolina during the run, they went out, they're beating people out of the conference. Um, you know, we've gone out, we've beaten people out, out of the conference. Um, and I think the Bayside football programs are definitely more than capable of doing that. Well, I mean, we talked about this, Mark. I think this past season, you know, the Bayside had one of the better conferences in the state of Maryland. I, I, we I all, all three of us. I'm yeah. sorry. You, and you had brought that up, actually, when we went out mm-hmm. to interview you before one of the playoff games. And, and we certainly concurred with that as you, as you take a look. And, you know, many of the teams, I mean, you lost to what ended up being a state champion, but that was a tight game. You know, Decatur lost to a team that I think went to the championship and a number of good teams this year that I really were strong. And I, and I saw Douglas practice and I interviewed the coach there, you know, leading up to the yes. game mm-hmm. uh, like we've done. And, and I called you and I said, yeah. I no way in hell they beat them because of the way that they were practicing and and just you know it was they just wasn't looking like it was going to happen and they were fine-tuned they'd obviously had tape on you and what have you and and i'm just watching i'm like mm. but then they came out and you know they ran the ball very well and uh i was like i was a little shell-shocked but you know they they play and practice in the absolute worst facility I think that I have ever seen. And, you know, I'm like, good God, those poor guys. Yeah, they, they, their, their, their facility has a lot to be desired. But they've been, they've been a, gosh, a great football program for years. They have. Yeah. When, when I, was, I was at Parkdale yeah. High School, yeah. they were a 4A team at the time. Yeah. And well, that's J.C. Pinkney, right? J.C., yeah. just, yeah. just a heck of a coach. He didn't coach this year. Right. He, he had yeah. stepped down, but – his fingerprints are all o- all over that program. Well, that's his assistant too. Yeah. So you know, they're, they're for, for four years, I think four or five years. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it might have been longer than that. Yeah. He said it was guy's been with him for a while. Yeah. yeah. So, well, listen, we really appreciate you taking the time today to uh, talk with us. A lot of fun rehashing. Um, we're we're going to miss you on the sidelines, but hopefully, we'll have you in the broadcast booth with us with a year fourteen of overtime live. Sounds fun. And uh, you know, because uh, I, I think you can bring some stuff to the podcast, just like our to the broadcast, just like Griffith did uh, as well. And yeah, you know, gosh, you're not going to eat as much as he did. So, uh, well. <laughs> and you're going to get what, what candy bars and stuff yeah, up there. Well, that, which, you know, by the way, right. so, yeah. you know, we, we had talked about that in a Queen Anne game. And, <laughs> you know, we, we show up and Queen Anne's has that. And then we go and do your game. And, you know, um, I guess it was your wife or somebody yeah, that you yeah. know, was brought.
brought brought uh, yeah. you know brought us treats up there. Not to be outdone by Queen Anne's, right? Yeah. So yeah, it, it just it, it they, yeah. people listen. Yeah, you know. It, believe me, I heard about this with, with my great team mom, team mom Kelly Swider. We're talking about it, and I was like, "You guys realize I don't care if they eat candy bars or not." Right, right, right. right. <laughs> I know so that's saying, like, I got a game to win. You yeah. think I care more? Potter is a candy bar to call the game. Tell me, go down to the stand and get it. You and know, the, the funny thing uh. was, the next week I wasn't calling the game. Everybody else got a bag of chips and a candy bar. Yeah. So, uh, the, yeah, a uh, coach from uh, Queen Anne's, Al Waters, had reached out to me asking if any decisions had been made in other places across the Bayside about coaching. Yeah, he wanted to get the inside scoop. Yeah, yeah, he did. And uh, <laughs> he goes, by the way, I'm going to step my game up next year. It'll be sandwiches next year. I'm like, yeah. sweet. We'll have to do more Queen Anne's games. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you don't have to wear green to when we broadcast yeah. those games either. Oh, there's no well, chance. Well, you yeah. need an escort. Though, but Well, he need an escort up to the booth nah. is the question. Hey, getting in and Griffith didn't need one. <laughs> no. <laughs> he won't need one. No, that's true. But And it's a good thing. An offensive guy, because, Mark, I'll do the guy. I love doing the games. I only do it with offensive guys. I don't yeah, do defense. That's right. You know? so. <laughs> well, listen, thanks again. We appreciate it. Mike, it's good to have you back. Yeah, it's good to be uh, back. Yeah. Update on Beckett. Uh, she's doing great. Beautiful girl. And uh, we're, we're loving pretty much every minute. Although, you know, there's the witching hour that they that they save between like 8 and 9 or roughly around that time mm-hmm. where she gets really fussy. And it's, it's, a, it's a tall order. Um, but we're getting into routine and all that. But I'm having to get used to mommy getting up and doing the feedings every couple hours, which means, you know, I wake up as well. But then I go right back to bed. So we're, we're getting in the routine. But all, all is well, all a part of being a, a young parent. Uh, Beckett sleeping great. through the night? Pretty, I mean, she's doing a much better job. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, she still feeds every couple of hours, but I think at uh, what like two two thirty she feeds, and then yeah, she's off to bed till like six. Uh, which a parenting is tip: if you put her down yeah. about ten, a little bit of Benadryl, she'll sleep all night. <laughs> <laughs> like this morning, I mean, we're doing this on a Monday. This morning, she woke up at two to be fed. I had to get up at two thirty. I just said, "That the heck with it." I'll all get right. up, get my shower, and go to work. And so I'll get a little early start on the day, and that was fine. And it, it all is blending. That's usually when I get up to pee about two you know, o'clock. Yeah. Go back to sleep for yeah, another hour and forty minutes. Yeah. An hour and a half. I got a little I'm bit longer drive than you yeah. do, but no, Beckett's uh, point. Beckett, Beckett's doing great. Thank you. We're and we're loving it. We really are. So. Chickens yeah. doing all right? You good? As far as I know, I got to check on them when I get home. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. well, listen, this is. Well, I mean, Wilford Brimley in the natural, you know? <laughs> this has been a lot of fun. We're yeah. back again next uh, Tuesday with another edition of Time Out with Shore Sports. Listen, check out the shoresportsmd.com if you get a chance. Uh, you know, uh, scroll around. We've had uh, Luke. Uh, Matrinko's been out. Taylor Walls has been out uh, getting videos and uh, couldn't do much with the snow and what have you, but yeah. uh, their f- schedules are full this week. So make sure you check those out. We'll get them up as soon as they get them into us. And, uh, you know, it's all about covering the kids. So uh, peruse around and take a look at, uh, yeah. at uh, shoresportsmd.com. We cover youth sports, high school sports, adults, and even colleges. So we've got that. Uh, and again, thanks for listening. Share this. Share around to all your friends and neighbors because uh the more people that listen the more people know about it and you know we'd like to uh, expand that as well and uh, we'll continue to try and have entertaining guests much like we did tonight and, and we'll see the coach that gets the most uh, podcast listens will get a certificate they'll have <laughs> you know what I, I think that's a great idea mike's gonna pay for that. well theirs is divided by three there's three of them so i'm yeah, that's solo right. yeah that's right that's right yeah. well listen have a great uh, week everybody and we're back next tuesday thanks again to coach 
Damon Ferragamo, now retired and Farmer Ferragamo. For now. For, yeah, for now. <laughs> he said that himself, for now. And uh, we'll work on getting a new officiating crew out there for him uh, <laughs> so that, you know, we can blame the winds on them. But uh, thanks for listening. Have a great day, and we'll see you again. This has been Time Out with Shore Sports, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. You've been listening to the Time Out with Shore Sports podcast with Mark Potter and Mike Bradley, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. Look for another timeout soon here on ShoresportsMD.com.